just a little bit about herself. So, Dr. White, in the next 34.5 seconds, we want you to just give us a very brief, quick overview that we did not include in the intro as we introduce you today. And the time is yours now. Okay, well, it's great to be on Pastor's Roundtable. I'm a huge fan. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Florida. Um, I'm CEO of Platinum Life Counseling. I previously served as Director of Restorative Justice at the Ministry of Justice in Jamaica. I serve in team ministry with my husband, Pastor Jovan White. He is the senior pastor for the Windermere and Emmanuel District of Churches. Love to my church family. And we serve all over the world together doing evangelistic crusades. And he's also a gospel music artist with his song, Everything Lord, out now. All right. Hey, praise awesome. the Lord. Awesome. Amen. Amen. That is so awesome to hear. Uh, we want to maybe get some links to some of that music and some of those other ministries to share with our audience before we leave today. We also have with us the Garrison Hayes. Um, Garrison Hayes is with us today. We are excited to have him with us as well. Now, I messed up a little while ago when I gave the pastor's wife 34.5 seconds. We normally reserve the short times for the preacher in the house because we know how preachers roll. So uh, I'm going to give Pastor Hayes, you've got 28.9 seconds to go ahead and just share with our audience anything you want to share with them. It might be a shout out to mom, whatever it is, um, but something that we did not include when you were introduced a little bit earlier that you want our audience to know the time is yours, sir. Well, I just want everyone to know that it's great to be here. It's uh, awesome to be able to share some space with Dr. White and, uh, and these OG pastors. It's just amazing to be able to spend some time here with you all. Um, thankful for the opportunity. And maybe something that you didn't know, go find me on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. You can search my first and last name. Find me on there. Follow me. Uh, I don't, you don't have to follow me, but that'd be nice. Awesome. 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 All right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We just want to jump in now and, and tackle this, this, this topic of cancel culture. Um, Pastor Wade, you want to start us off here um, as we jump in this afternoon? Well, yeah. So listen, uh, we were, we were, as we were preparing for the show, we were looking at uh, why all these committee meetings have been canceled and um you know, what is, what's the reason for this cancellation? Everything is being canceled. Uh, I, I know conferences that had a, a calendar and they had an agenda and all of a sudden canceled. Now, yes, we know pandemic, we know COVID-19, but it was just like everything was canceling one after the other, one after the other. And then I found out that there's a, a whole subculture of this concept about canceling, a cancellation, cancel culture. Um, I want to I wanna ask this question. Cancel culture is a term we have been hearing a, quite a lot of in recent times. For the purposes of this discussion, is there a coincidence or a concise definition of the term cancel culture and how it originated? Can, can any of you share some light on that for us? Sure, I don't mind starting here. We have an actual doctor, an academic here with us, so I'm sure that she will be able to provide, Dr. White will be able to provide an even better uh, response. But if you were to just to kind of Google it, you know, the, the very first result that comes up says that it is the practice of withdrawing support for public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered 
objectionable or offensive. And I think that's a, a very clear, as you say, concise definition um, for cancel culture. Wow. R- r- run, run that back by us one more time for those who have short retention spans like myself. One more time. <laughs> sure. Okay. So it is the practice of withdrawing support for public figures mm. and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Wow. All right. All right. My, my, my. I, would, I would just add a, Yeah, I would just add a little bit to that. I love um, what Pastor Hayes said. Um, Lisa Nakamura, who's a professor out of University of Michigan, also talks about a cultural boycott of individuals that sort of speak offensively in their action, their behavior, terms they use, and this cancellation of individuals that include celebrities but can be your neighbors. You can cancel individuals in your churches, in your schools, um, companies, concepts can be boycotted. So I love the term she uses as a cultural boycott. Mm. Wow. So cancel, cancel, cancel culture. The, the, I guess the, the OG term, since the, uh, Garrison threw that term out, OG, OG term <laughs> for cancel culture is like boycott then, right? And I mean, that kind of fits in that. Most people might not be as familiar with what cancel culture is, but if you know what a boycott is, that's essentially um, the same thing, at least in the social expression or col- uh, social cultural expression of that. Well, good. So, so, so let's move to the next thing. So, so then this, are there certain segments or, or groups in society that are more prone than others to practice cancel culture? Um, and if so, if there are segments of society that are more prone, what, what makes this so? What contributes to this? So again, that's a two-part question. Number one, are there groups or, or segments in society that are more prone to practice cancel culture than others? And number two, if that is true, what are some of the contributing factors to why certain groups are more prone to this? We can define those groups in in any ways that, that, that make sense in the context of the discussion. Now, I think in terms of that question, yeah, please. Please, please, please go ahead. I, I think um, if we look at a broader concept of just understanding that there are more than 7 billion individuals across the world, and that from a basic humanistic standpoint, we're not always going to agree. So I'd like to look at it as not who is more prone to do it, but the fact that it's been going on since the beginning of time. Okay. And so now I think it's important for us as church folk to look at the dangers behind cancel culture. Um, In Psychology Today, one of my favorite articles talks about accountability that we must take. And there are two dangers. One, in this whole notion of it's an all or nothing, when somebody does something bad or offensive to us. And the second thing is that we're risk teaching our kids that there's no room for growth, there's no room for learning new meaning. Um, And so what culture, somebody does something to offend, somebody hits you below the not reach up to the standards that we've set and we oust them, we ostracize them. As Christians, that's a dangerous concept. So I would want us to um, shift focus into that gear. 
Now, yeah. I appreciate Dr. White uh, and um, okay. Pastor Hayes. Let me let me just say yeah. this regarding that. Um, you know, this this cancel culture. I mean, they will go back on things that you've done 20 years ago, and they'll bring it up. <laughs> And they'll say, because you did this, because Jimmy Fallon, you know, uh, last year threatened, I mean, canceling him and other, these, these pop stars, these entertainment people in the, in the uh, this thing is, is dangerous. It really is. Go ahead, Pastor Hayes. I know you were going to say something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm appreciative of this program because I actually think that there will have some really meaningful dialogue here with maybe some, some, uh, some meaningful and, and material kind of disagreements. You know, if I were to answer that question, um, I would honestly say that you know, answering this question about which groups there are, there certain segments or groups in society more prone to practice cancel culture than others. I would absolutely say that yes, there are. Truly, there are. And, and honestly, if we were looking at this from a historical perspective, white people, more specifically, white men have been the most prone to practicing cancel culture over the years. I mean, truly, if you were a person of color, God forbid you were a black woman at almost any time in history who had the audacity to have an opinion contrary to the mainstream up until very recently you were going to be subject to cancellation. It might not have happened on social media. It might not have happened on the mainstream news, but you were going to have a hard time getting a job. If you were a black man growing up in the time with my father and my grandfather and these, these people when they were growing up, you were a black man who had the audacity to look a white man in the eyes. <laughs> you were going to be subject to a form of cancellation. You were going to be canceled from your town Mm -hmm. and forced to leave mm -hmm. to the north mm -hmm. you are no longer going to be allowed to work in that place or live your life peaceably because of something that you said or did and so i find it uh you know somewhat appalling that um that there are <laughs> that, that the, the very people who for all intents and purposes have uh have have championed the action of cancellation in society are now sitting in the seat of being uh the most concerned that cancellation might be coming their way. Um, in many ways, I believe that cancel culture is a function of people who have historically not had, not had, who have historically not had any power, social power, arresting and taking back their power um, to use their means of communication, whether social media or otherwise, to hold people who were once untouchable accountable. And while I do mm. believe that there are some incredible pitfalls that we will certainly navigate in this conversation, I want us to recognize, well, I want us to do a power analysis in this conversation on cancellation um, that I think is very important to it. So would it, mm. would it be fair to say then that the, the groups that traditionally or the segments in society that, uh, that practice or are more prone to practice cancel culture are the segments and the groups that have the power to cancel because not everybody I, has the power to cancel everything. So you have to have power to cancel. There are a lot of folk that want to cancel a whole lot of stuff, 
but they don't have the power to do it. So if it's if it's in a segment or a society where it's a male dominated society, then males have are going to be more prone to do canceling because they have the power, whether it's in the majority, whether it's a, an, an issue of simple majority or an, an issue of prestige and 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 um, culture and tradition. Those are the things that place them in the position to be able to have the power to cancel. So that doesn't just have to be white males. It can be males. It can, if it's in a, a matriarchal society, then it would be women who would have, or, or at least women in that, that are high up in that, uh, that tier, that social tier, that would have the power to be able to do that. Um, good. Anything else anybody wants to add on this? The groups, because uh, Dr. White brought up, a, she brought, I, I don't want to cancel her comment. Um, she said she didn't want to. Um, she wanted to talk about some other aspects of that. And I'm going to give her a chance just to kind of kind of dig in a little bit deeper on that. But anybody else on this topic right here where we are? No, I, I like what, um, what she said, Pastor Paul. The groups that have the power are the ones that are able to initiate the cancellation. And again, when we look at the entertainment industry, uh, the major group that is uh, watching those uh, shows or listening to the music, whatever it is, that's the group that has the power to cancel. So the, the cancellation is in the power of the people who are benefiting from those services. Um, right up past the Hayes's tree. He, li he likes hearing yeah, that. I, yeah, right. Now, now here's the thing, and, and let's get a Dr. White. But the, the thing about, and I guess it might even be covered in the next question, but the, the, the thing about this cancel culture that is scary is that they are going back. Like, you don't even have to do something recent. Like, they go back 20 years. They go back. In fact, as I'm thinking now, there was um, a particular person who, you know, had a, a, a good position and people saw some of the videos that this individual had on YouTube and they went back, they brought that back and he was canceled. I mean, he couldn't get, you know, anything where he was and it was a very hard time. So that's, I think that's the danger, just that ability. Well, it could be a danger, it could be a pop, but they go back is what I'm saying. They read up, they, they, they look at those videos, they see what you've done in the past and that will come back to haunt you. And so that's the thing about cancer culture. Yeah, Dr. White, if you could, because I don't want to get too far away from the issue that you that you brought up in yeah. response to the question. Um, so if, if you could just kind of briefly restate that, reset that that comment for us. And I'd like for us to just dig in on it just a little bit. So if you just restate that, okay. reset that. Well, I was pulling from an article from Psychology Today called Cancel Culture. Is it accountability or is it bullying? Mm. And the dangers that exist when we canceled. Now, this is written from a psychological, secular point of view, but it spoke to me as a Christian therapist. The author brings up two points. One, we cannot take an all or nothing approach. Um, we have to allow people to grow. And two, we run the risk of teaching our kids that there's no such thing as forgiveness, which is something that I'm big on as a former director of restorative justice. Um, and after we all sit at the table with the offender 
and the victim and we work through forgiveness. So with cancel culture as Christians, there's the lens that needs to be brought about for forgiveness. Good. Mm -hmm. well, well, that brings us really, as Dr. Henry kind of intimated to our, our, our next question, and that mm -hmm. is in, in this culture, um, is this culture rather, is it innately something that is negative? Is it, is cancel culture innately negative or bad or evil or wrong? Or are there some positive virtues in the concept of cancel culture um, or instances where it is okay or where it is the morally right thing to do to cancel something um, or someone or some idea. See, we, 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 we do that canceling in all those different spectrums. We cancel ideas, we cancel um, um, uh, behaviors, we cancel people. We do all of that. But is there any form in which, in which this cancel culture is just an innate thing? And is, is it just how we use it or is it in itself a bad thing? Um, I would add that I believe that it's an it's the aspect of accountability. You asked about, is there anything good that can come out of cancel culture? Sure, accountability. For every consequence, there, there is a reaction to the things that we do, good or bad. And so I was reading another article in Harvard Business Review the other day, and it spoke about accountability is great because it allows us to be authentic with who we are. And so now, um, when we're about to cancel somebody or um, an idea or a concept and culturally boycott, we have to examine the true behaviors of the organization. We can look at um, an organization such as the NFL and what the NFL stood for and why certain things were canceled um, due to the marginalization of predominantly um, color. We can look at that, for instance. Okay. Yeah, I was about to go there, Pastor Hayes, uh, because as, as you, you, you brought this out earlier, um, there's, a, there's a whole segment of society right now that is up in arms over cancel culture, but you go back four or five years, it was that same segment of society that was trying to cancel um, football players for kneeling during Definitely. a football game. Um, they were trying to cancel them then, and now they are the ones protesting cancel culture, perhaps more vocally than anybody else. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, again, I, I want to use this term and I'll use it several times, which is kind of an, a power analysis. I mean, really, if we were to analyze power and power dynamics in these conversations, I would challenge us to find, to really kind of dig deep and ask, like, who's been canceled, actually? Like, who's actually canceled? I think we are afraid of cancel culture. It's a boogeyman that really doesn't exist. I mean, really, I mean, are we, is it real? Are people really being canceled? Is, is really where I would, I would challenge us to, to ask that question. I think making money still employed, still in power, still governors and still politicians, right? The people who we, we think about, they still kind of possess that power and possess their positions and their authority and even their influence, even if they aren't on your TV in the way that they maybe once were before. And so I, I really want us to do that power analysis. That's one. And two, I do think that there is a redeeming quality in quote unquote cancel culture. 
Uh, it really is the power of the people to lift their voice to collectively uh, collective bargaining agreement to say like this person causes harm. I, I so appreciate Dr. White's um, background in restorative justice. I mean, really asking this these questions of of who was harmed and what you know do do the harmed need and whose obligation is it to meet that need the need of the harmed i mean really these questions are powerful questions that have been ignored and when we use our collective voice to hold people accountable those questions can be answered and that is a redeeming quality of the quote unquote cancel culture I don't know. Yeah, Dr. White, like I, have a, I have a question for you, Dr. White. Um, dealing with uh, the work that you used to do um, tr in, in Jamaica, um, when we think about uh, canceled culture, um, canceling uh, in some forms the, the individual from doing anything because of something they, they did um, collectively, how would you balance restoring uh, these individuals to be uh, productive in society. It seems like, yeah, there are some, there is a definitely an accountability um, that, that takes place. So you see these boycotts, and, and I think I'm going to boycott some of these other things that um, we did. Mm -hmm. But the individual, is there, I guess what I'm saying, when you dealt with the, you know, tr your, your, your job there trying to mediate and, and trying to restore people, how does restoration fit? within cancel culture. You know, um, thank you for bringing that up. It's, it's a wonderful thing to see somebody um, have an altercation and a machete is involved. And time, here's the thing, actions have consequences. So while you might spend some time in prison, when we meet back at the table and you understand, I grew up with this violence. I saw my mother and my father utilize weaponry um, versus their words. And so there's a toxicity historically that's been passed down from slavery days. We're fighting in the middle passage. We're fighting not to leave the continent that we were stolen from. And so now our generation is learning um, through the lens of being Christians. They're seated at the table to hear truth, to have forgiveness, but there's still consequences to your actions. We may not be friends after this, but you will be my brother and I'll be your sister. I am your um, keeper and you are mine. So we can walk hand in hand for the good of society. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I learned during my time doing restorative justice, that there is room for redemption. Apologies are great, but that's a first step. Apologies don't always lead to reconciliation. So I, I, I have a question. Um, I'm not sure if you you covered a little bit of it. You know, this concept of of boycotting um, took a new light when we were in a pandemic and everybody had um, a platform. Everybody talked about whatever they wanted to because of social media, and there was a whole um, movement to to to. I don't know if it's just to embarrass, but there of looking at what was being presented, whether it was an all-male panel or um, a panel of all, one particular color. And there were, there were some folks who were canceling uh, those 
individuals, pastors in particular within my genre. There were a lot of pastors who got, got slammed. Um, and um, I think Pastor Harris, you kind of brought it out in saying that, well, yeah, they still pastor and they're still working, but the stigma is still, it's, it, I mean, we talk about a boogeyman, but it's real. When, when you have been shamed uh, publicly like that, there is a stigma as to, you know, how, how quickly do I jump back on the horse and keep going? And when it's coming from your church people, oh man, it's, it's even worse. Um, the, the question on the table, you talked about restorative just uh, restorative um, concept. It's in this cancel culture mindset, especially within the church, should we take a restorative? Is it is it is it not responsibility that we're doing and making sure that the right thing is said and the right thing is done? The responsibility. I, I think, yeah, I, if okay, I could I'm, add I'm to that very quickly, and then that is because it sounded like it sounded like Pastor Hayes, you were saying that Colin Colin Kaepernick wasn't really canceled even though we don't see him in the same space and all that kind of stuff, people who had been canceled, it sounded like you were saying, yeah, people tried to cancel them, but they're still there. They're still there. And last I checked, Colin Kaepernick is still not playing in the, in the, in the, in the NFL. Um, there are certain pastors like, like Pastor Wade was talking about that still are not pastoring, that still are not doing because they were a, uh, I don't know if I want to say victim or recipient or whatever of cancel casualty. culture, ca casualty of can of ca ca cancel culture. So yeah, if you could, you could just flesh that out a little bit more for us. Yeah. I want to be abundantly clear and say that Colin Kaepernick was absolutely blackballed, which someone put that in as a comment. He yeah. was absolutely kept from his employment. I mean, he is a football player. And they, the, the, the NFL has already admitted that there was a coordinated effort Mercy. to prevent him from playing in the NFL. They have admitted that on that is on record. And so, yes, he was by our, you know, nomenclature canceled, right? He is mm -hmm. a person on the receiving end of that. Uh, what I'm concerned with is that we are broadly using this term that it has become more ubiquitous in society right. and, and it is applied to people who truly have not uh, faced, who have not been a casualty, who, casualty, who have not faced harsh consequences for their actions. Now, this is what I'll say, Dr. Wade. You know, I, I definitely resonate with what you were saying around this idea. Last summer, people were facing such harsh put, pushback against their events. You know, I have some friends, people who I, was in seminary with people I value, love very dearly, who were like, man, I didn't know what to expect when I put my poster out and people were, uh, you know, upset about that. I didn't know where, I didn't know what to do with that. And I do think we have a hard, we have to have a hard conversation about how um, much we pile on in these moments, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a legitimate conversation. What I will say is that that same pastor went back to the drawing board and made sure that there was equitable representation in their event, which is a positive thing. When my sisters in ministry are graduating from seminary with MDivs just like me, and they can't get a job, they don't get the guest speaking spots, 
my heart hurts for them. And we have a responsibility. I'm, I'm sounding crazy right now. We have a responsibility to stand up and say something on their behalf. Wow. And that might feel like persecution in the moment. But really, really, it's advocacy for the least of these in society, which, which equality always feels like oppression for the privileged. Wow. Wow. Ooh, wow. Wow. Mm. Hey, that, that's, that's a hashtag. Equality feels like Ooh. oppression for the privileged. Y'all need to tweet that out. Uh, equality feels like oppression to the privileged. That's, that's, that's powerful stuff. Dr. Wade, mm. uh, Pastor Wade, you, you, yeah. you comfortable with that? I, I'm comfortable with that. I, I think we also need to address what Pastor Guerrier has said in, in, the, in the chat about the balance, how we balance the church as it has participated and promoted cancel culture. Because what I'm hearing today leads me to think, man, we have been participating in cancel culture for a Yeah, Pastor Wade, I, I, you clipped out on the very last part yeah, of your... Yeah, you clipped out the last word. Yeah. Basically saying that we have been participating in cancel culture for a long time. We, it, it has been part of our nature. I, you could read in the chat about uh, how we treat young people, how we treat young women, as opposed to how we treat young men. Um, we, we sometimes cancel um, rising star preachers. Um, and I'm only working within my genre, um, you know, because it's it's much clearer there. So we have, as a church, we have been practicing cancel culture tactics. I may not have called it cancel culture, but 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 I am I am interested to hear, uh, Dr. White, uh, Dr. Hayes, how how can we turn this thing around as Christians? Because we ought to we ought to be at a different level when it comes to comes to cancel culture. And, and how we utilize um, those tools. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I love that question. Dr. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say that um, from the work that I did and from the work that I continually do as a therapist, the heart of my work is forgiveness and teaching and motivating people to live joyfully. We cannot live joyfully when half the people are upset. So it's time for some truth telling, whether that means you have a commission at your church and it, and it looks like a business meeting and people don't um, leave business meetings with things to say about members. We tell the truth, the whole truth, whether it means a truth and reconciliation commission like they did in South Africa after apartheid in 1996 at the union and at the division and dare I say, at the next general conference, opportunity to apologize. And we can forgive as a church, as a people, as a collective, as a family, hear the truth, move on when we hear the apology and really forgive and not just say, we're gonna forgive, but really embrace the person and call them back into the fold. That's what true forgiveness looks like. Jesus did it. Jesus was able to sit next to people that betrayed him and continue to eat dinner with them. I don't know how many of us would have gone out to Olive Garden and sat beside somebody that had betrayed us and continue to say, pass the bread, pass the salad. So it goes to the heart of 
human decency and Bible. Treat my brother as you would yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule. We need to start with that as a simple precept for how. Yeah, if if I could jump in after that, I mean, I think that, you know, how do we carry this out? It's really, you know, a pressing question that I'm kind of hearing surface here. And it's even in the chat and uh, in the comments, people are asking this question. How do we carry this out? I think that Dr. White, I mean, is so right. First of all, I nominate her to be our vice president for restorative justice and reconciliation in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's my nomination. Hopefully Second, someone takes Mr. it seriously. Chairman. Is it second? Okay, all in favor? Aye. It is carried. <laughs> um, I, I think she's absolutely right that we need a process that allows people to come to the table and share truthfully. And so as uh, on an individual, kind of uh, maybe a church to church or in your communities or in your family, create the space for that exact thing to happen. Um, that, that's definitely so easy. And that's a thing that we can do right now. Another thing, though, that we can do is to, to, to also have policy and practice in place that makes sure that there is accountability. I mean, elephant in the room, perhaps not for everyone, but for me, is I'm thinking about people who've been canceled. I'm also thinking about the surfacing of sexual misconduct that has taken place mm -hmm. in several different areas of Christianity. And some here on our very own front porch, mm -hmm. uh, we are aware that there are those who have gone there, who have done things that are unconscionable. And we have to ask ourselves, what is the process in place to protect pastors and to protect members? What's the process? How are we going about this? Are we thinking ahead or are we reacting? And a lot of this talk around cancellation is inherently reactive. But what I think we should really be thinking through is how can we get ahead of these issues by putting parameters in place that allow for people to truly be safe and to truly be taken care of and loved the way they deserve to be loved. Mm. I think I think you you said a, a lot. I, I want you to uh, go ahead and define that cancel culture again. Um, again, you, those of us who are coming on the show now, we're talking about cancel culture and uh, Pastor Hayes and Dr. White's with us. You had a great definition. Can you read that definition again about what is cancel culture? I'm looking in the chat. I see a lot of different things happening. People are saying, no, it's accountability, not cancel. There's a lot of things going on in the chat. Don't, no mistakes allowed. Tell us, what's that definition again? I know there are probably several definitions out there, hey, but we, we like what and, you and Dr. White said. Can you read that definition one more time? To our audience, as you're, as you're getting ready to hear that again, we want you to do something for us that we didn't ask you to do before. Um, we've got a little while left, about half an hour left in this stream. We want you to share this stream. Um, there are some people who want to hear the answer that you're getting ready to hear. Yeah. They, need to, they need to be clear. Um, so we want you to go ahead and take that, take that, hit that share button. Um, if you're on YouTube, go Go ahead and, and, and copy that link and send it to somebody so that they can catch at least the tail end of our conversation today. Um, so, Pastor Hayes, go ahead and give us that definition one more time. Sure, sure. I'll read this definition here. I actually think it works very well in concert with what Dr. White said earlier. So I guess I'll start and she'll, she'll finish here. It says, uh, cancel culture is kind of defined as the practice of withdrawing support for public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable 
or offensive. Mm. So I like we just, we just canceled De- Derek Chauvin. Is that is that is that uh, would that be appropriate to say? No, no, we held um, Derek Chauvin accountable for the murder in both the first, second, and third degree, right? And the manslaughter of George Floyd. But but to your point, Pastor Hayes, is that there is a system that is in place to safeguard and to hold people accountable when they do things that are out of order. So we didn't have to just on the fly come up and try to figure out what are we going to do or what are we supposed to do with this man, Derek Chauvin. There was a system that was already in place in order to both prevent and then since it didn't prevent it, now here is the way that we will hold this individual accountable. That's right, Pastor Paul. The canceling, if we want to give an example of somebody who's really been canceled, the first secular person that comes to mind is an R. Kelly. Um, His music is not allowed on certain um, wave streams anymore because of the gross sexual misconduct that has taken place that is Mm -hmm. out of alignment with the great songs that were inspiring I Believe I Can Fly. Well, now you're flying in prison. So that is the accountability along with the cancellation of, okay, now it's hurting your pockets. We're a capitalistic society. So now there's monetary devaluement of your artistry and your talent and your J-O-B. As we're talking about this, we had the definition again. Um, so when it comes to the Adventist church, and we talked a little bit about it, we kind of danced around a little bit and, and you had some good dialogue with it. But when it comes to the both of you all gave, which seems to be more than just a boycott, right? It seems to be more than just that. The Adventist church in issues of um, policy, theology, um, you know, diversity. Do do you see that the Adventist Church is practicing any any of the forms of cancel culture that we've been dealing with today? You know, so again, we talk about accountability, and I think somebody in the chat said, "Well, that you know, we gave an example. They said the pastors were called to be uh, accountable or to the accountability table." but not particularly canceled, right? So, and I would lean towards that, but when you look at the Adventist church, do we see, or do you see from your perspective, any of these forms of cancellation, because you know we have that definition um, within our church, do you see any of the forms of cancellation, that cancellation culture? Well, listen, if, 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 our, if our guests don't know, we just had something similar to a cancel culture with the New Jersey Conference okay. and their women's ministries program. And they put something out. The, the, the consumer did not like it, and they canceled. Now, they, have po- they say it postponed, but it, it came across very strong because the administration had to put um, a statement out. Um, you know, folks were talking about it. They were feeling very uneasy about it. Um, but obviously, yes, the New Jersey conference is not going away. But 
it does send a message that, um, nor, you know, this probably was a reverse situation where normally the church is the one canceling the individual. Now the individuals cancel the church event or a major church event. So it, it went the opposite way within the church. Um, there, are, there are some that are, that are questioning, um, you know, even, even the situation with the general conference and, and, and how it's operating now kind of by the seat of its pants because, you know, they, they're not sure how they're going to move forward. Uh, there are some who are, there's a talk, talk about cancellation of some of the leadership of the, of the general conference because of its inability to, to, to get through this process. Um, in a way that people feel comfortable with. Um, so, so, so I am seeing it happening in our church, in our church okay. structure. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that's coming to my mind as we deal with cancel culture within the Adventist church, um, I, I think that there, at least before the pandemic, I, you know, during the pandemic, I'm sure that uh, it is prevalent. And that is people looking at the church that were a part of the church and they see some inconsistencies within the church. And then they say to themselves, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm not doing um, Adventists anymore. Um, I kind of see some of that. I've talked to some of those individuals um, that had that mindset that I am just canceling this denomination because I see inconsistencies. And so from our, our, guest perspective, do you see any of that? I mean, I, you know, have you seen people who are saying, I'm checking out, I'm canceled, I'm not going to be involved with the church anymore, I see inconsistencies. Do you see any of that within your sphere and, and your, um, you know, your area? Dr. Um, White, I, I say, I see, it looks like you're jumping in. Go ahead. Therapist, so um, God granted one of the desires of my heart. I get to counsel a lot of faith based individuals. I counsel a lot of pastors, and what I'm seeing during the pandemic is burnout. And so I'm seeing people check out, I'm also seeing a resurgence of people questioning there has to be more than the usual church. Um, the Bible tells us prophecy directs us as we are going towards end times. We're going to see some people come off the ship. We're going to see some people come on. So none of this is surprising to me, and it shouldn't be surprising to any um, Bible believer. I don't know if we're seeing cancellation in that sense or people naturally just stepping apart to make room for some new life because everything has changed with um, regards to how we do church. Completely done a 180 in the event of this pandemic called COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say that, you know, I, I do see, I think a, a historical perspective could be helpful as we are thinking about the ways in which uh, cancellation might play out in the Seventh-day Adventist Church today. Um, someone rightly noted that that women are often on the receiving end of that cancellation. And, and it really goes all the way back um, to the prophet, to, to Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We, we are aware 
that in 1888, come on, Adventist historians, in 1888, mm -hmm. we had a general conference where we discussed righteousness by faith. E.J. Mm -hmm. Wagner, A.T. Jones were the biggest proponents. There was a huge kind of almost schism in the church over whether or not we were justified by faith alone. And Ellen White sided with E.J. Wagner and A.T. Jones. And she went ahead and began to travel around the country, around the United States of America, with those preachers preaching righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ alone. The General Conference leadership did not like that. And they sent her to Australia. And it is widely known that, that she believed that she was punished because of her affirmation of righteousness by faith. No. Uh, email or telephone, right? Like, so like, like that was not a thing. And so her avenue of communication, her way of speaking to the people was completely cut off. I mean, we could rightfully identify that she was completely cut out in her power in so many ways she could continue to write. And by God's grace, that message continued to get out because of the grace of God, but not because of the grace of the institution. The institution did their very best to cancel her. And so as we are thinking about cancellation today, I fear that it is much more sinister than we are referring to. I fear that those who are being canceled today are simply just being, you know, moved around until they can't take it anymore and they leave. They're, they're simply being neglected. They're no longer uh, comfortable with their with their employment positions. And so that that's specifically in the church. I've seen that happen with my own eyes. And so I think that's the way. It's not as glorious. It's not all over social media. It's not this huge stink. It's much more sinister than that. And I think that needs to be named. Mm. Yeah, I, I would I would often uh, not often, but I would also like to ask um, that that issue that Dr. Henry, you brought up in terms of young people just being fed up with stuff and mess that they see in the church and they're leaving the churches. Are they canceling the church? I'm wondering, I, I often think of cance, the cancel culture being more than just a single person checking out, right? When we're talking about cancel culture, I'm wondering, are we saying, is that just one person deciding um, uh, when <laughs> they're no longer going to drink Coca-Cola products because they didn't hear Coke speak out on the Georgia voting laws? Or is the cancel culture saying, not only am I going to stop, but I'm going to actively um, um, try to get other people to do the same thing that I'm doing. So I'm not just trying to cancel my own personal interaction with the company. I'm trying to cancel the company by getting everybody else to cease and desist their interaction of, of purchase of their, of their products. Um, so when we have an individual, a young person decide, yeah, this isn't for me, is that the same thing where they just turn away and leave from the church? Is that the same thing as a cancel culture? Is somebody just broadcasting, yeah, hey, y'all don't know, y'all don't need to be over there. Um, they, this, 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 that, and the other. Is there a difference between the two or are they essentially one and the same? Anybody can take a stab. All right, okay. <laughs> I'll wait for a gift to answer that question. You know, um, the, the question um, was, was asked because there are a, you know, when you have, when we say young people, anybody really, um, when they see that there's inconsistencies in the church, oftentimes 
sometimes they will remove themselves from the church, don't want anything to do with it, but then they'll bring others too. They'll bring others too. And, and so you have this group that is formed because of one person uh, disagreeing with what's happening in the church. And so is that a form of this, this, this cancellation, cancellation of, or the cancel culture? Is it a form of it? And, and do we see that in the church? I think we, we do in, in some sectors, but um, is that real? Is that something that we should even be concerned about? You know, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I hear you. Doc. I really, I hear what you're saying, Doc Henry. Um, and I, and I think coming back to our definition could be probably helpful in this moment. You know, when we're thinking about cancellation or cancel culture, you know, it, we're we're defining this within the parameters of this conversation as people withdrawing their support um, because of something that was done or said that could be considered objectionable. That's one dimension, or offensive. That's a second dimension. And I think that, that that definition is is important here because sometimes people are withdrawing. I know I, I pastor a lot of young adults. Uh, many of them have withdrawn and we're doing our best to bring them back in because they've experienced church hurt. They've experienced neglect in the church. And so should we consider that cancellation? I, I'm not quite sure that would be the proper diagnosis because I'm not sure if that would orient us in the right way to bring them back. If we're thinking that they're just like, yo, we're canceling, we're out because, you know, get you all. And we're thinking, well, forget you back, right? Like, like that, that could be the response. Whereas if we say, no, these people experience hurt and pain and neglect, they weren't pastored in the way that Dr. Pastor Henry or Pastor Paul or Pastor Wade or by God's grace, Pastor Hayes would, would prayerfully pastor them. So my orientation towards you is totally different. It's not that you are a part of this cancer culture. It's that you are someone who needs to be loved and nurtured back into the fold of, of God precisely because someone did not do that or some person did something that harmed you while you were here. I just think it's a different mindset. Let me just say one quick thing, Dr. White. So Dr. White, so somebody has been canceled, right? Um, the Art yes. Kellys of this world, right? Um, and, and others, you know, I was reading a, some CEOs and there was a professor that said the wrong thing and they canceled him. Okay, so you are a therapist, right? How do you um, counsel that individual? What do you say to that individual to, to restore them? Because we're talking about cancel to cancel culture, but there's this restoration piece that I think that, we should consider, you know, in dealing with people. So what do you say to those individuals? Well, by the grace of God, thank God, I can first say I'm a Christian therapist. So um, I don't have the whole job to completely restore, but we point them back to the cross through some psychological and therapeutic techniques. The first thing is admitting wrongdoing. I like, let's go through some truth telling. When did you notice that your behavior, your comments were problematic for others? Tell me about your childhood. Did you grow up thinking it was okay to treat women this way? Did you grow up thinking it was okay to um, talk negatively about marginalized groups? So we first have to get to the root of the issue. Once we can do that, now we can come up with solutions. How can we go forward? 
What does this look like? How can you become more introspective and keep it real with yourself? And for young people, keeping it 100, um, the millennials will keep you in check and be like, well, this is where it started from. I find that in counseling millennials, they are much more authentic and transparent in their delivery of what went wrong. And so that's the first step, get in the person, no matter what age group, to be authentic in their truth telling about where did this start from, your belief system? Because it all goes back to helping them and guiding them towards a paradigm shift of thinking about things in a different, more Christ-like manner. Hmm. Powerful. I, I see that one of our viewers, um, Grindelwald2024, talked about it's not always that uh, they have been church hurt, neglected, or not pastored well. Some young people have expressed that they don't see the value of church as it is. And I, 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 I agree with that in some way, but I also think that maybe the church has or even value people. And so, you know, sometimes we, we, I, as I pastored, I used to take on the responsibility that if the home and the school is not doing what they're supposed to do, the church needs to step up. The right. church needs to step up. Um, we can't just say, well, it's the family issue or it's the school issue. The church has a part to play in it. And we need to value our people, not just our young but all of our people, and we value them by seeing them. I think that's the new term. Do you see me? We value them by seeing them. And I think part of that can help to counter, counter the, the cancel culture that's out there. I think a lot of the canceling we community with, and, and that causes us some issue. That's my thought. Mm -hmm. I like that question that was in the, the chat there. <laughs> Has, have we seen an example of somebody being restored fully? Um, and, that, and that's that's a very good question that's out there. Well, um, we've seen it throughout, I would, and that's big brother, Pastor Pierre Francois, I saw that comment. Um, of course, there's. it's called redemption. We've seen this where sometimes you'll see us, let me use the celebrity as an example you'll see them do a couple good works they'll hide out for a little while they'll do um, a faith-based movie after some type of sex scandal has happened they'll do something faith-based to get back into the good graces of um, the normative society and we welcome them with open arms once more because we're fickle people and mm -hmm. it's nice to see good things we'll talk about bad things because we tend to be salacious as a society and want the scandal but it's wonderful to talk about redemption with individuals um might i remind us that prince harry used to dress up as a nazi he's now married to a biracial woman who has called out racism in his own family so i would say there's an example of redemption or just a 180 degree turnaround so yes somebody can get uncanceled through grace yeah yeah i would um i would argue that i mean you know i think i've made the the point a number of times that i think we have overstated the severity of quote-unquote cancellation 
I think that it's 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 more of a boogeyman than a real thing. I think that you know we can talk about people being blackballed and all that stuff in society, but currently, as it is, there are a select a small number of people who've truly experienced this quote unquote cancellation. Um, but I will say that one of the problems with using, as Michael Eric Dyson has said, uh, digital language in an analog world is that we find these inconsistencies. I can cancel my subscription to Netflix. That's true. But I can't really cancel a human being. What I can do is perhaps withdraw my support, right? And, and a number of people can team together and say, we withdraw our support. But even that doesn't ensure that there won't be a counter group of people who actually reaffirm their support. And we see that in so many areas. I, I mean, we've talked about R. Kelly. There are people who listen to his music more now. They, they go out and they, they stand up for him even more. They're even greater fans than they once were before through all of this. Same thing with Bill Cosby. There are those who have drawn even closer to Bill Cosby. There may be those who say, I'm withdrawing, but at the same time, there are always gonna be those who draw. And so again, the term, in my opinion, is a bit overstated, it's a bit aggrandized. And, and so it, it, we find these logical inconsistencies precisely because it is not in as you know total and, 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 and all consuming as, may, as we may feel it is. All right, all right. Well, listen, uh, Pastor Paul, I, I'm hearing the music, man. It seems, seems like the time is running down. Do we have time for one more question, man? We got that final question, Doc. <laughs> I, I think we can run with, with one, one final question. I. Um, <laughs> Um, can I, can I, can I switch that up? Can I give a variation of that, of that final question? Go ahead, um, go ahead, Doc. Trust me to do that. Um, I'm well, just for both of our guests. I'm just going to ask you two questions, uh, two questions. If in the life of the Seventh-day Adventist church and, and in the scope of its full mission, if there was one thing that you could cancel, if, if you didn't have to go to before a committee, if there was no vote, if there was nobody else, if you could just make the arbitrary decision all by yourself and you could cancel one thing in the culture of the Seventh-day Adventist church, whether it's culturally, structurally, um, I don't want to go theology, but even you wanted, if you want to jump into theology, whatever, there's one thing that you could cancel. What would that be? And then number two, second question is, if there was one thing, one person, one idea, whatever, that you could uncancel in either the broad Seventh-day Adventist uh, uh, culture or just in certain pockets that you could uncancel, what would those things be? Something that you would cancel if you just had carte blanche, if you had ultimate power and authority to do it, um, and then uh, the opposite of that, what would you uncancel? Let's start. I don't know. You can pick who wants to start first. <laughs> um, I, I, I had a couple things that come, came to mind immediately, so I'll jump in here and say if I could cancel one thing, it would be uh, gender hierarchy or sexism. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, we could get all that out of the way and just say cancel ordination carte blanche across the board, not, oh. neither men or women. It's not a biblical thing. Ordination is not in the Bible as we have it. Let's cancel that. It's not biblical. Um, if I could uncancel something, I would uncancel um, our aversion to nationalism. 
There was a time where Seventh-day Adventists knew that their theological and eschatological identity was to stand in opposition to American authority. We, were, we are not nationalistic people. We don't believe in that stuff. In our theology, we understand that this thing is actually going to bring about the this thing is actually against God. It is a lamb like beast that that maybe like you all get it. I would uncancel mm -hmm. that. I bring that back. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. That that's fascinating. Listen, I see it's happening in our chat as well, but I want to invite our audience to do to answer those questions in the chat for yourselves as well. We're very curious to see what you would do. So if you're in the in the chat today, whether on Facebook or on YouTube, and if there's something in your in your uh, local church or just as you understand the church at large that you would cancel. We want to know what that is. We're hearing from our guests now. We just heard from, from Pastor Hayes, the things that he would cancel and the things that he would uncancel. And now we're going to go to Dr. White and hear how she answers that question. But we want you to join our guest in answering those questions with us at this time. So Dr. White, you're up. <laughs> Okay, what would I cancel? I would cancel the spirit of unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that a lot of us are floating in our churches with, we're convicted, we know doctrine. I'm for a generation Adventist. Nobody, I, you don't have to teach me doctrine. This is something. The conversion of the heart in really following out Bible principles. Um, I think we need to take another glance. Um, and what would what was the other question? What would I uncancel? Would you uncancel something that used uncancel. to be that's no longer, but you think needs to be here? Oh, I miss Morning Watch. I miss I miss Morning Watch. I would I would bring that on back. I think that that um really encouraged the family. We spoke earlier about the altar, the family. A lot of problems we're having with our young people leaving the church is that they don't know church the six other days of the week. So when Sabbath comes, it is a great big surprise. It's foreign. It's like that one Netflix movie that keeps on popping up, but she, it's you have no interest in it because you haven't bought into it. So I think that I would bring that back, the family altar, because that seems to have been canceled um, where it's not de rigueur to have morning and evening devotion as a family because God still wants to move his church forward. Wow. That is awesome. Listen, there are so many things. I, I think we could dig in a little deeper on, on this topic. Unfortunately, our time is up, um, and we want to uh, just invite our audience today. If you have not subscribed to the Pastors Roundtable YouTube channel, we want you to do that. Um, we have mentioned to you several times that there will be some times where there is PRT content that goes up that is not a live stream that goes up on the YouTube channel that you will only catch if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. So we want you to go, even if you're watching on Facebook, we want you to go over to Pastors Roundtable YouTube channel. Um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can stay up on all of the content that is put out here. 
Um, I would love to be able to get some extra content from Dr. White and from Pastor Hayes even that we could put up, and it might not be this long, but some shorts on some of these topics that we're discussing today that may be of benefit and of edification to you and your church family, your church for your family at home, um, and how you deal. You've got some young people that are in school now, and they're dealing with cancel culture on a whole nother level. We didn't get to talk about you know, that as it pertains to young people and in, in their school spaces and social spaces, what's happening with them and that bullying. I think we, we kind of very t- uh, gingerly touched that at the beginning, but all of that is in, in is a part of that bullying culture as well. And, and we want to be able to provide you with some content that's going to be helpful to you, to your families, to your churches as well. So make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel um, as well. If you have enjoyed what you have heard today and you're on Facebook, we want you to go ahead and hit that like button. That's going to help a whole lot of other people be able to see this content and to be able to hear the information that we've received today from Dr. White and from Pastor Hayes. So you want to go ahead and do that. Also, we want to let you know that following the broadcast early into next week, we're gonna, we, sh- we should be putting up some information um, that you can get directly in contact with Dr. White. Find out a little bit more about Platinum Life Counseling. Um, Pastor Hayes, as you see under his name, he's not just a pastor, but he's a content creator. We want to introduce you, expose you, if you are not already, to some of the content that he is producing um, on his own, some also there with Community Praise Church. So if you want to find out more about our guest today, make sure that you go ahead and like the Facebook page as well. Visit our website, the Pastor's Roundtable website that you see directly above my head there and in between the two of them at pastorsroundtable.com. You're going to get some more information in the show notes. There you go, Pastor Hayes. Uh, The show notes that are going to accompany um, this particular broadcast for today. 